Welcome to The Courage Effect. I'm Suzanne Weller, and this is a show about growth and unleashing what's possible. You will hear inspiring stories about what courage looks like, how we navigate what's getting in our way, and the opportunities that surface when we choose courage over comfort. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. It's Suzanne. Welcome to The Courage Effect. My guest today is Jeff Jacobson. Jeff is a professional coach and facilitator who works with clients to manage change, enhance performance, discover cutting edge solutions, and create sustainable working environments. Prior to his current work, Jeff studied Asian culture and language for years throughout East and Southeast Asia and went on to teach Mandarin Chinese to business leaders at Fortune 500 companies. Jeff is on the faculty at the Coactive Training Institute, also known as CTI, and is a board member for Coaching for Everyone, an organization that brings coaching to BIPOC leaders in North America and beyond. He lives with his partner and cat in Los Angeles and is the author of the novel, The Boy Who Couldn't Fly Straight, his first in the Young Adult Queer Paranormal Adventure series. Uh, Jeff, you definitely like adjectives and I love that title. <laughs> It's wonderful to have you here. Welcome to The Courage Effect. Hey, Suzanne. Thanks for having me. And thanks for welcoming all the adjectives. <laughs> hey, the more the merrier, right? Right. <laughs> so as a fellow coach and someone that really works with leaders to increase self-awareness, I mean, a lot of what we do is to make them aware of some thinking patterns and mindsets. And a big part of that is disruption and disruption of ourselves and really how we think and, and how we lead, not just only as humans or as leaders, but also as humans. This obviously involves quite a bit of courage. So I'm curious for you, when I when I say the word courage, what surfaces for you? I feel like I would answer the question differently any day of the week, depending on when you ask me. I liked where we, you and I have had conversations about this before. One thing that I'm thinking about courage today is how, and I'll speak for myself, how defended or curious am I? On one extreme, defended, nothing to look at, move on. On the other extreme, maybe too, too far of an extreme, let's get really curious and poke around. And that continuum between, I want to know more here versus mm, doors closed, forget about it. And I think courage is being willing to at least crack that crusty old door open and look inside, see what's around the other corner. And the my mistake I make over the years is usually I want someone else to go first. So sometimes courage is being willing to go first. <laughs> well, you're definitely not alone in that. And yeah, it is that whole idea of, okay, you go first, you test the water, right? right? You jump in. <laughs> we should all be courageous. Ready? You. <laughs> <laughs> well, and how we all fall into defending ourselves. I mean, it's, yeah. it's protection, right? It's safety. How do you, how do you know when you're there? Um, if I track the breadcrumbs backwards, I usually have to back into it. It's probably when I'm the most frustrated, the, the overall, the most aggravated by everyone else around me. And I'm sure they're all doing it wrong. Um, somewhere along the way, if somebody else gives me a nice little wake up call, or I, get suspicious myself, it's a chance to look back and think, what, you know, what's going on? And is there something that I'm not seeing in myself that uh, you know, has me all high and mighty? Usually the answer is yes. <laughs> I hate that. But it's it's a way in, you know. It's totally and, I, and, and you were talking about business leaders and changing our minds. I find that so, I, I don't find any any different with them. 
oftentimes I think it's desire and fear. I want my organization to be doing differently. I wish my direct reports responded differently, but I'm afraid this is going to happen. And then like the, the, the whole machinery just comes to a, a, a halt. Yeah. So it's fear. And I mean, I, I, I like the language that you're using around like seizing, right? Yeah, the idea, because yes. fear really does seize us. Yes. Oi. <laughs> Oi. <laughs> it does. It feels like it like swoops in from nowhere and like ruins a good picnic. Yeah. And, and, and keeps its talons into my shoulders for a long time. Yeah. Even at, just as you say that, I feel my shoulders going up. So. What is, would you be willing to share an experience that, that woke you up? You want the safe one or the scary one? <laughs> That's up to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a friend that I grew up with who uh, I've known for a long time and is a huge gun activist, loves guns, loves having lots of guns. I am on the liberal side, knee-jerk reaction against guns, blah, blah, blah. We've talked a lot about it. A lot of data and a lot of debating. And I think the fact that we've known each other for so long, we're able to stay in relationship with each other. But most, most of the time, we think the other one's kind of an idiot in this area. And, uh, and I accept the fact that I am uneducated around guns and can, can hold that moniker of being an idiot at some time, sometimes. We had, I don't, know, I don't know, five, it seemed like it was about a year before the pandemic. We met up. I hadn't seen him for a long time. He knows where I stand on things. I know where he stands on things. So we just, but we hadn't seen each other in forever. And we're catching up and we're talking about our upbringing and it's kind of intense to just throw out of the blue, but he mentioned, I don't even remember how we got there, but that um, he had been molested by a clergy member, someone that we both knew when he was quite young. I had no idea. And the more he talked about it, the more, I mean, it was awful on many levels, including a a horrible abuse of spiritual authority. And the more he talked about it, you know, I used to, he, he talked about collecting guns and I blamed him for stockpiling guns. And, you know, we'd kind of go at it that way. And I, we were talking about it later and I thought, oh my God, how, I, I don't mean to pathologize him because I can see myself in the same position, but how often was he stockpiling himself for a thing that already happened a long time ago and then prepping himself for some future thing that hadn't happened because of that past? It, I don't know if that sounds too convoluted, but no. and it just had me thinking, oh my God, what are those ways that I, something happened a long time ago, I, it got set into my DNA and now I'm on the lookout for that thing in the future and I garner my weapons or I gather my weapons because of it. And I, I was embarrassed at how, I don't know, righteous, judgmental, I, easy for me to blame him for being on the quote unquote other side. And it changed when he told me this story. It's not like it changed how I view this issue, but it changed how I related with him and also how he related with me. And it, it knocked me off my sort of holier than thou soapbox. Wow. That's really, I mean, for it to be somebody else so that you knew, I mean, that's a, that's an incredibly disturbing and powerful experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it also reminded me, I think gun violence is, it's not, 
I'm stating something that's obvious. It's complex. And if I want it to change, it can't just be people like me. I think we need to get everybody involved and I need people like him to be willing to come to the table. And if I'm busy trashing him or he's busy trashing me, I don't know how we'd get aligned around it. And him being willing to share this incredibly awful, it took a lot of courage for him to share it. And, and you know, I'm not going to blow my own horn, but it took me courage to listen and then to rethink my position on him. It was very humbling. Yeah, and not getting defensive, right? And that's the whole idea is that when you know that you're at opposite ends of the spectrum yeah. with, with agreements like that or, or disagreements like that, um, not getting so dug in that you can't see the forest for the trees. I think that hits the nail on the head. I mostly approached these conversations with him defended and I'd either steered away from the topic or I'd wait for him to shut up so I can tell him that he was wrong. And he did yeah. the same thing to me. And this changed the, the nature of the conversation that we had. Wow. Well, it's what really strikes me too is overall it's it's a conversation about safety because it's the idea of, I mean, guns are all about safety and protection, but the idea of being having having a long relationship with somebody, having a long friendship, there's a certain amount of safety and familiarity in that, and having that being compromised for him at such a early age, and and defending himself, needing to defend himself and having that protection moving forward and, and inviting you into that unsafe space based on your history. That's actually really smart because I think it also, you know, I want there to be more safety in the world. And in my mind, there's a way to get there to have gun violence reduced. He sees it differently, but yeah. safety for him, safety for me, safety for us. That's a really great point. And, um, it also made it easier for us to align, align around what we cared about and not, not just be so entrenched in our own viewpoint, or I'll speak for myself, me entrenched in my own viewpoint. I think you bring up such a key point, which is the shared stake, right? What are the things yeah. that you, that you share? Yeah. Yeah. And how did you, how did you get to a point within this relationship that you were respectful of each other? I mean, did, was it a matter of just was there something that really happened where it just flared up and you were able to just distill it together, like put a pin in it? How did that, how did that incarnate? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I don't know. Other than like politically, socially, we're, we're so on opposite sides of the thing. You know, I'm a gay man and he, he's like, buddy, I got your back. You fly that freak flag high, I always protect you and shoot anybody. And I was like, well, don't shoot anybody. You know, okay, thank you. <laughs> Maybe don't do that part, but I don't know that he is, he's kind and, and supportive, even if it's in a way that I didn't necessarily expect or require or even want sometimes. And that is a, that is a bridge, you know, and to, to, you know, to me think about what he went through and for me coming out of the closet, the same idea I wanted not the same idea, but like what was going to be safe. And it just at one point, it was safer to get out of it than it was to stay in it. But super, um, like terra infirma. And to your question, what, what allowed my friend and me to get there? I don't know, but I think he kept building a bridge of staying connected with me. And so we waded into this really terra infirma with each other. And it was not what I was expecting. Yeah. I think courage sometimes is letting go of the outcome of an interaction with somebody. Okay, if we're going to interact, it's going to have to look like this. 
And if I'm really willing to go with the flow, that means the, you know, the fear of losing control or the fear of that very different outcome. And that wasn't what I expected that day at lunch with him. So letting go of outcomes and opening that space, that's really where the courage happens. Yeah. 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 Sorry, this isn't you, necessarily a businessy topic, but I think it's at the root of what a lot of us, what drives us. Yeah. Well, and this this show is not just about business. The show is about us as humans, right? And how we, how, how courage is that key thread in all of our lives. And it takes place in just opening up and having a conversation with somebody, being willing yeah. to to be open. Yeah. How many times have you heard, well, let's don't get emotional at work or, you know, the sexist part of women shouldn't get emotional, like cry or get angry or whatever. And I sometimes think about emotions are driving so much of us, at least if we can bring them front and center, we know what we're working with. I think that takes courage too. It does. Yeah. And it's not like we check our personal life when we come to work. It's always, there's a certain amount of whole person. It's just, how do we, how do we balance the tensions between the two? Yeah. 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 Well, we are going to take a quick break, come back. This is Suzanne. This is The Courage Effect. And my guest today is Jeff Jacobson. We'll be back in a minute. Job search doesn't have to be painful. Wouldn't it be great if you had someone to guide you through your job search or career exploration? Since 2013, Plum Coaching has provided job search, career coaching, resume, and LinkedIn profile expertise to clients around the world. Plum's coaches are former recruiters who have more than 15 years experience in every type of industry, including tech, real estate, construction, manufacturing, and nonprofit. Their coaches take what they know about hiring and put it in service to their clients. If job search is a challenge, or if you're exploring a new career direction, Plum is here to help. They'll work with you to turn what feels like a slog into an adventure. Visit PlumSeattle.com for details and information on their services. Maybe it's time for a partner like Plum. Conversation you won't find on the rest of the dial. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to The Courage Effect. This is Suzanne, and I am in conversation with Jeff Jacobson. So Jeff, as we have a conversation about courage and the tendency to defend ourselves and it really coming from a need for safety, protecting ourselves, I'm curious for you, how, how does that show up for you on a daily basis? I mean, when you think about times when you do tend to maybe slide into defending and you don't necessarily realize it, where I'd love to hear an example of, of when that happens for you. I actually really love that you tied all of that conversation I was mentioning earlier into safety. I think the question to ask oneself is, what am I keeping safe? What exactly is on the line here? And am I aware of it? You know, is is even the thing that I'm going, you know, sometimes I'll get in a crappy little fight with my partner and then I'll think later, what was I defending? What did I make so important that I acted like a jerk or went off on him? 
other times it's like, oh, this was something really important to me and I'm glad I stuck with it versus, you know, what, so to ask oneself that question, what's being defended and is this worth it? That's another way that I play with it. And I play with it with my, the people that I work with when they, when their defenses are up is just to get really curious and to see what's at stake. Sometimes the thing that they're talking about is the thing. And sometimes it's something else. And I don't know, I feel like, I don't know how you feel about doing coaching. Sometimes I feel like I'm a detective and other times I feel like I'm a dental hygienist removing plaque, you know, just to get down to the original enamel to see what's there. (laughs) That's an attractive metaphor. (laughs) No, but it's true because it's, and well, and I, and because we do sort of develop that plaque. And I think that also comes from just being like following the same patterns, right? It's like, we just, we just keep going. We just, we like, that's rigidity, right? So we get into this space where it's like, okay, how do we start to to push out from that a little bit? How do we get more comfortable with, with seeing things in a different way? And you said yeah. something, I mean, you know, what am I keeping safe? That's such an important question, I think for all of us, like, and the, I do that too, when I'm having these arguments or disagreements, it's like, am I trying to be right? Right. <laughs> here? Yes. And why does that matter? And is it, and, and what am I losing at the same time? Like if I'm right, you know, like, and I don't like when, and I even find myself bristling when somebody says, oh, you're right. I'm like, but I, I, I don't want to be having to prove something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that question too. What's the cost of, so I'm, I'm right. Is it the cost of this relationship? Do I really need to stick with it? Because um, something that I care about could be endangered or am I just being some crappy little, I don't know, officer in a war that's choosing this hill to die on? Like really? Like some, one of the challenges I'll, I'll, I have sometimes with my partner who just rolls his eyes is stopping the dishwasher when it's in the full cycle to put in another dish. I'm like, don't add a dish. We're past that point. <laughs> it's not good for the dishwasher. It, and, and he's like, okay, all right, you little Virgo, we won't do it this time. And later I'm like, I'm sure the dishwasher is okay. Why? What am I going for? Do I really care about the integrity of this machine? <laughs> okay, I'm a Pisces and that would drive me crazy too. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. There's a time to do it and a time not to. Do everything turn turn. <laughs> well, but I I love that phrase. Like, is this the hill I'm going to die on? Right? Like the dishwasher right. hill. <laughs> like, the dishwasher know, sort hill. Of, like, like, yeah. I like, okay. All right. And and interesting that this is the thing I'm going after. And if it, if it's something like that, it's usually something else. It's usually something else. And do I have the courage to stick with it and talk it out or at least poke around a bit and find out? Yeah. And it's interesting because, um, I mean, a, a part of what I do in my work is I do communications coaching with people and I, I actually have a workshop called courageous conversations and I was doing it recently. And one of the women, she was like preparing for this big conversation that she was going to have and getting all ramped up for it. And then she sent me a note afterwards. She's like, I just realized I'm not going to have this conversation <laughs> because I was just going to have it to feel better for myself. I wasn't actually, it wasn't going to bring the results that I wanted. So it gave her the opportunity to work through it by letting go of her need to basically put her stake in the ground. Oh, that's what, what had her catch that? I think because the more she planned for it and like, we talked about what was the shared, what were the, what's the shared stake? What, what's the objective? What do you really want to get out of it? What does success look like on the other side of that? And when you start to unpack that, 
then it's just like, okay, it, why, why am I so bothered by this? And, <laughs> and sometimes we really do need to have a conversation to move beyond it, but sometimes we might just be like picking the scab. Right. Right. And am I, am I doing a big dog and pony show over here on the left side? Because there's actually something on the right side that needs my attention that I haven't had the courage to face. Usually the answer for me is yes. And I notice it is for other people too. Yeah. You know, okay, well, okay, we can hang on the left side. And then what's going on over there? Yeah. And I'm also reminded of, I remember one of the things that when I did my coaching certification, that was a big aha for me was the statement of it's not necessarily the issue. It's your relationship to the issue. Oh, that's good. Right. Which you have a, a lot more control over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know like, that. Is this really what's bothering me? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I wonder for you, when when you think about the, the battles that you're choosing to wage, <laughs> how how might you be deciding those? Are there any sort of circumstances or questions that you ask yourself? Uh, well, another issue, another big issue that's on my mind these days is um, reproductive rights. And the sort of embarrassing awareness that I had sort of taken myself out of the equation in a way, because I'm a gay man, I'm not worried about impregnating anybody. Um, but I read this book called Ejaculate Responsibly, written by this woman named Gabrielle Blair, who brings a very logical approach to reminding us all that the way the birds and the bees work in biology is that in unwanted pregnancies, a man or somebody who can produce sperm was involved and had a choice to make. And oddly, in these huge reproductive rights, we're focusing a lot on women's bodies and people with ovaries bodies and what rights do they have and this sort of weird, magical, creepy wizardry of making men disappear, and except in having a, a say in what happens in legislation. And I'm like, the more I read the book, I was like, I both knew this and forgot that I also am involved in conversations where we talk about things like condoms or men's roles and things. And I go along with the jokes or I minimize things. And it's been, the, I've read the book. I've listened to it five times now. She has these 28 arguments laid out, a very rational approach to widen the lens, to remember where concept, how conception happens. It's not virgin birth surprise surprise that's that's the big surprise at the end of the book <laughs> i'm joking and what role it, it just got me more more aware of what role am i playing in this whole thing and how am i willing to have more conversation with men about we have to be responsible here around this topic it was really humbling because i sort of thought i knew the whole picture and this book comes along and just just, I don't know. And it's even embarrassing talking about it now because it's like I'm 54 and I think I should have known this better, but I forgot how this all worked. And to, to quote, to, to paraphrase one of her quotes, she's like, if you care about this issue, you have to stop look, going the wrong way down a one-way street. And that's, I was like, oh my God, I've been doing that same thing. So interesting. And it makes me, it, it also makes me think, I mean, obviously as a culture, we have shifted so much of the conversation to women right. and the, the responsibility 
and also the blame in many ways lying on a, on women's shoulders. And obviously there is, you know, women owning their bodies and needing to, to have a certain amount of, you know, empowerment and autonomy that goes with that. But yes, yeah. but pregnancy doesn't happen. It's not a one woman show. There's, there's definitely it's involvement. Not, there's of- a smoking gun. <laughs> Somehow <laughs> we're focusing on the other clues at the crime scene. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it, it is those moments of, but I, it's also thinking about despite age, you can always challenge your thinking. Yes. Yes. Ideally we do. I do. We do. I remember hearing um, someone's, I, I wish I knew where I first heard this, but when um, post George Floyd and trying to get more people, more white people aware of issues with racism and, and that, that old idea of, well, you know, it's my great uncle. He's just, he's not going to change. He's that he's just set in his way. And somebody said, did he learn how to use an iPhone? I was like, Oh, Oh yes. We can learn new things and they're hard and it takes courage. Yeah. And having, I mean, you said it before too, the, with your friend kindness, right? I mean, like meeting somebody in, in kindness and having yeah. compassion around, we don't agree, but maybe how can we get a little bit more perspective into how each other thinks? Yeah. That's a nice tie back. I sometimes, I, you know, we were joking earlier. I was joking like, okay, we need courage. You go first. Sometimes it's so helpful to at least see a role model, somebody showing me what that courage could look like. I don't know about you. I'm not inspired throughout my whole life by reading biographies about people who played it safe. I think those are boring reads. It's the ones where they really took those big risks. Those are the, those are the kind of the red threads that I look for. And, uh, Okay, if I want other people to do it, I have to be willing to do it too. Yeah, and learning from failure. Yeah, oh, the F word. <laughs> <Right. laughs> the other F word. Right, the other F word. Um, there's a there's this phrase in Chinese, which is basically like, uh, failure is the mother of success. I love it. It's so true, and I hate it, I love it. also. How about success is the mother of success, and ease always leads to more ease, but it just doesn't seem to be true. Well, and it's just, you can't talk about courage without talking about failure. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, well, I could talk to you for hours, but we only have, <laughs> we have to wrap. So I want to capture a few things that we were talking about. We talked about, you know, the tendency to defend and how that yeah. really comes from a need to protect ourselves and to, to be safe. Um, sometimes it's safer to get out than it is to stay in it. Oh, you're good and, at summarizing. <laughs> hey, thanks. <laughs> so it's all for those listeners. Um, and then the question of what am I keeping safe? What What are the things that are really important to me and what's what's worth protecting? So Jeff, thank you so much for being here. Can you give a really quick, if people want to reach out to you, really quick nod to what's the best way of doing that? Sure. And thanks for having me. This is fun. Um, you can reach me on uh, Instagram at Jeff Jacobson Coaching or The Boy Who Couldn't Fly Straight or Jeff Jacobson World. Those are ways in. Um, JeffJacobsonCoaching.com is my website and I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. We'll make sure that all those are on the website. So thank you so much, Jeff. Such a pleasure to see and to be in conversation with you. Thank you everybody for being here. Take care. Stay courageous. <laughs>